Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting edition of Training Unleashed. Uh, we are very fortunate today to have Karen Walker with us. Karen has a consulting business called One Team Consulting. She's been doing this for a little over two decades, and she has a tremendous passion for helping organizations improve. And she has this book called No Dumbing Down. And I love the title of the book. And uh, Karen and I in the pre-work had spent a lot of time talking about how what she does applies to training. So I think it's going to be really interesting. So Karen, just quickly give everyone just a little bit about yourself. Hi, thanks. Yes, yeah, so thanks for asking. Uh, I am an executive advisor, a consultant, speaker, and new author. Um, I work with senior leaders, CEOs, and their teams um, to make sure that they are clear about what they're doing and why, and then helping them execute on that. For me, it's really all about aligning the internal strategies to support their external growth. Excellent. So you've got a book, you've got a great name, No Dumbing Down. Just what does that mean? Yeah, so um, that was a just a, a moment of um, uh, grace that I came up with that title. I love it because it really ex- uh, beautifully summarizes what happens in organizations. And, and dumbing down for me is pretty synonymous with what happens with something I think about as teamwork as usual. And so that's where organizations say, all right, we're going to work together as teams or maybe just chartered a team. And people get excited about the ability to actually work on a team and look at the potential to work cross-functionally and and to make things happen that way because we all know that good things come from high-performing teams. But they're not really given a fair chance at making that happen. And what we know is, and I've seen over and over again, is the teams can only perform at the level of the lowest-performing member, sort of like having a weak link. And so if you have a lot of A players on your team and you have a a low-performing member, the A players have to dumb down to the level of the low-performing member. Now, it's not always because the low-performing member is dumb or uh, for whatever reason is holding back. Sometimes they just don't have the skills. But often what happens is people don't have the team skills because they haven't learned them. Uh, You know, the individual skills to be a a great performer, to be a star player, to be an A-plus player are not the same thing as what it takes to perform well on a team. Now, often those skills overlap, but they are not exactly the same. And so what happens in teams is, as I said, we come in, we're excited, we're ready to go. And then what happens? Well, little by little, uh, we see that conflicts start coming up and they don't get resolved well because we don't have the skills to do that. Or decisions are made and they're made by um, the way that we've always made decisions rather than the correct decision-making method for whatever the issue is or office politics come back in, or sometimes sometimes it's just that our priorities are misaligned or our goals aren't the same, and we don't know how to resolve those issues. And so the A players, they start to see the team as a tar pit. And one thing we know about A players is they do not want to go anywhere near a tar pit. And so they'll begin to distance themselves from the team, and eventually they'll distance themselves from your organization if they're not given a place and a way where they can work at their full potential. Well, I, I love what you're saying because mm-hmm. this really applies to training and execution. Absolutely. Right? So 
you know, there's a there's an old story that there there are two you know if you go to SeaWorld and you see the the uh, the dolphins jump up across oh them, sure right you know and, outside my window here yeah yeah there are two there are two ways to, to to make that happen is one you can blow a whistle and look for a dolphin that just happens to jump or the other is you get a dolphin and you put the rope at the bottom and you keep raising the rope and you blow the whistle and it gets a fish, right? So you, you, can either tra- you can either train or, or find the perfect people. Almost impossible to find the perfect people. Um, and so how do you help, how, what do you recommend to the people listening to help build that culture of teamwork and, and those soft skills? Yeah, so I'd say the first thing is you really have to have commitment from the senior levels of the organization to make this work, because if you don't, there won't be follow through. I mean, it's one thing to roll out an initiative, but um, as you and I uh, both know, training is not an event, it's a process, and I'd say team building is not an event, it's a process, and so you have to have a methodology in place to, to to get the skills training, to apply the skills training, to debrief and learn about how that's going for you, and then to adjust and reapply. And I think that's true for actually most things in life, but it's definitely true for skills building within teams. So number one is have a senior team that is committed to this. Um, Secondly, you have to have a senior team that's vigilant about making sure that things that aren't training specific, like office politics, are not tolerated and that the senior team walks the talk uh, that they are espousing. Because the moment that they veer from that path, the organization will notice, and they will assume that that behavior is okay. And then suddenly you're into this sort of um, malaise of dumbing down, and it will spread like a corporate virus throughout the organization. Well, I I do think what you're saying resonates with me, because what I find in in companies is that when the, the bad apples... I don't know if that's a good term to use or not. The other, you know, the good people leave. Yeah. And you're left with just the bad apples. Exactly. And then you recruit new good people and they leave. Um, Could you maybe share with us a case study or, you know, an example of an organization that you went into and you helped transform? You know, obviously you don't need to name, you don't need to name the organization, but maybe just share with us a little story of, of, of success. Yeah, so, uh, you know, over the last couple of decades, I have a lot of stories, <laughs> but um, I, I want to start with one that, that was sort of seminal to me and, and set me off on my career and was the foundation for um, sort of the learning and the work that I've done, and that is um, Compact Computer and the, and the team that was assembled there. So at 25 years old, I was an engineer working away in a Fortune 100 company, And I noticed all these people I admired and thought a lot of walking out the door. And they started a little tech startup down the street in Houston, Texas. And 20 years ago, 30 years ago, that was a big deal. (laughs) There weren't a lot of little tech startups down the street everywhere like there are today. Um, And so I called. And it turned out that they hadn't announced any product yet. They actually didn't have the name Compact yet. It was very early on. I was employee 104. Uh, But I went, even though I didn't know what product they were building, I went to this company because of the people that were there and the way that I knew that they worked. And there uh, there was a respect um, amongst, uh, I think, all of us that were there. And we were in a situation where we grew. I mean, we did the first year $111 million, and we went on to be the fastest growing, first to a billion dollars in our time. Uh, And we were about $15 by the time I left. Well, that happened because of teamwork. 
It happened because we were in a situation where we could work at our potential, where we could work in the white spaces, where if we didn't have a skill, we could go get it, right? We had all the support in the world to develop ourselves as far and as fast as we could because the organization needed it. And um, I think that that ability to, to be in a place where development was not only supported but expected, and you could see the, the impact of every action or inaction that you had in the, in the organization. So if you didn't do something, it was as apparent as if you did do something because things were moving so fast and we were so interdependent. And it was my first real high-performance team. And I've subsequently been able to, to work with and coach many high-performance teams, particularly in the tech industry, but not exclusively. Uh, and it is so rewarding to see the difference. It's, it's not about the team. It's about what the team does. And so to get a team in place that is, that is ready and that has the skills and that is willing to invest uh, in, in these outcomes that the organization needs and then to watch those things happen uh, is really rewarding. And um, it all started with, uh, you know, a, a leap of faith that I took when I went to Compact. Interesting. So could you share with us some of the things that you help your clients implement that, that create that feeling of team? Oh, sure. Um, so there are, there are a, a number of things you can do, but the, the first thing is, is just to recognize that the t- working as a team is not the same thing as working as an individual, uh, that individual skills are necessary but not sufficient, uh, and that teams take attention in order to be successful. Um, so I would go in typically and work with the CEO as an advisor and then work with the senior team to make sure that they um, are all on the same page and they are aligned so that they are moving together uh, in order to accomplish the goals. Uh, what can often happen is that sales outpace the organization's ability to deliver. And then you really can't deliver on the promise that you've made to your customer. And that's a bad place to be, particularly yeah. in a growth company, right? Um, and so working with the senior team around um, making sure from a, a business standpoint, we're clear about our strategy and our goals. And then I particularly work with them beyond that on these soft interpersonal skills, right? So how do we resolve conflict? How do we recognize conflict? How do we make sure that we're not always uh, falling back on the, the one skill that we, the one way that we always deal with conflict? How do we deal with decision making, right? There are many different ways to make decisions, and yet we often use one that we're most comfortable with. Um, what are our interpersonal communications preferences, for example? We spend a lot of time on that. Um, but it's, it's um, as we were talking about earlier, it's more than just giving them the skills. It's then watching them use those, those skills in action, uh, giving them feedback about, hey, how did that work for you? Uh, here's how it appeared from the outside. Um, and so that there's a little bit of debrief and learn going on. Um, I'll often give them uh, 360s, for example. So there are a lot of different methodologies. Yeah. But the goal of the methodologies is for people to get really conscious about the impact of their behaviors and to make sure that their behaviors match and align with their intentions. That's very, that's very, very well said. Thank you. We're so glad you're listening to this episode of Training Unleashed, brought to you by Tortal Training. The difference between Tortal Training and other online training companies is we're primarily a training company with technology rather than a technology company that does training. Want to find out more? Just go to Tortal.net. That's T-O-R-T-A-L, Tortal.net. I'm listening. 
when I say that, I'm referring to the people actually listening, not my not myself personally. And I'm saying I love what Karen's saying, but I'm in the training department or I'm in the learning department, whatever whatever the department's called, and, and I need to I need to manage up. I need okay. to go to senior management to say, look at I can see the need for us to do team building. And, you know, really, when I listen to you, you're talking about team building. You're also talking about effective communication. You're also talking about sharing strategic direction and all, all of those things that many, many organizations just don't do. Yeah. And I now want to go have that conversation up, whether it's with the CEO or whether it's with the COO or whoever it is with. What are the key things that you could say to that person so that they can get the value that this kind of work would do? Yeah. Well, first, I congratulate uh, the person for saying I need to I need to go up uh, because this needs to start with the CEO or the senior functional leader. Um, and I would I would start with not that I need team building because team building is a methodology. Yeah. But but I need you need senior leader. You need more effective teams. Uh, you need better cross functional relationships your goals cannot be met, or at least cannot be met in the time uh, and with the resource constraints that we all have without them. And so I would make the case for more effective teams. And then I would talk about, and here's the way that we'll go about getting more effective teams, right? Um, and that is, uh, that's often um, starting with uh, getting the team together, making sure they're aligned on their vision and their goals, uh, making sure that they have um, the skills or skills training if they don't have it, uh, in order to uh, become a more effective team, having them understand that this is a process, not an event, um, and then getting on a rhythmic schedule about how do they check in with each other to see, you know, people leave people leave meetings all the time, where they and they leave events like offsite retreats where they focused on these things with really good intentions, and they get back to their desk and they have 400 emails plus all the people lined up outside the door, and it's really hard to change behavior in that setting. So we leave with good in, we leave with good intentions, but our behaviors don't always match. So what is the follow-up? How do we hold ourselves accountable, both personally and mutually, from a team standpoint, to make sure that our behavior change occurs? And if it doesn't, that we at least understand why and we adjust to that. So that is the sort of uh, conversation that I have uh, with CEOs and senior leaders, and it's the sort of conversation that I think anyone in a training department needs to have. Yeah, I want to point out something that. You said at the very beginning, which I think is important. A lot of times people come out in a converse, come at a conversation of what's in it for me, not what's in it for the person you're talking to. Right. And the person you're talking to is always concerned about what's in it for them. Exactly. Not that they don't care about you, but they care about them a little bit, a little bit more. So. Sure. People always um, act in their best self-interest, or at least what they perceive to be their best self-interest. And so if you can speak to that, i.e., the what is it, what is it that they're looking for uh, that will help them, uh, you know, your chances of succeeding, whatever it is you're trying to get them to do, go up exponentially. Yeah. So you've got this book, No Dumbing Down, and I believe you could probably go to to Amazon and find it, but probably best going to your website. Um, do you want to just quickly share what your website is? Thanks. Uh, yeah, my website is karenwalker.us. That's all traditional spelling, karenwalker.us. 
um, or to get to the book directly, you can go to nodumbingdown.com um, and that will take you to the, uh, the book on my website. Excellent. At the end, you're going to have an offer for everyone, which is fantastic. But I want to take a moment and talk about speaking. And I know you speak. Mm -hmm. um, we all speak, I guess, but you speak for a living. <laughs> um, what types of things do you speak on and how could those things maybe be helpful to our listeners? Well, I speak on a variety of topics, uh, almost all focused around leadership and team development because that's what's core to me and to my heart. And it's the work that I've been doing. Um, I have a new keynote titled No Dumbing Down that's really focused on several of the strategies that are in the book uh, that will help the organization uh, really work better to its potential uh, with a lot of stories that I've gathered uh, over the last couple of decades in my consulting work. Um, and I'd say that's the, the speech that I am in the moment uh, most excited about. I have another speech called The Growth Gap, which is all about understanding the gap between your organization's current state and its potential and how to cross that. That also sounds like a, an interesting topic. Yes. So ask everyone for one tip. If you had to give everyone one tip, what would your one tip be? Yeah. Um, I'd say the, the one tip uh, that I would give to uh, your audience is just to, uh, to exhort them, really, beyond giving a tip, just to exhort them to think bigger. I think that we get in our own way way too often by seeing obstacles that are in our way, and they, we, we put up these roadblocks that keep us from thinking and acting uh, to our full potential and capacity because we don't think big enough. And it goes to what you were asking earlier about, you know, if you're speaking to the CEO, yes, go speak to the CEO or at least try to get in that door. Don't assume that you have to speak to the director or the senior manager or whatever the function is that you're working in. You know, go big because that's where you can really make a difference in the organization. That's where all the, the big levers get pushed. It's great advice. Really great advice. Okay. So we're coming to the end. If you could share with everyone your free offer, that would be terrific. Oh, I'm so excited. So the free offer is a chapter of my book. Uh, and uh, you can find that by going to karenwalker.us forward slash training unleashed. Uh, and there will be um, a, a chapter for you that you can download and read. And um, uh, there's plenty in there that if you don't want or can't read the rest of the book, uh, I believe you'll get uh, more than enough value out of it uh, to make up for having spent the time downloading it. Cool. Um, Karen, I really appreciate your time. I, I think you're talking about a very important topic. And I think a lot of times we're all doing, 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 and we're not thinking about how we work together, how we can be more of a team and I, I personally believe that when you tap the power of the whole organization, you get so much, you get such more powerful results than when you just simply have the top 20% pulling the entire, the entire ship. Um, you want everybody going in the same direction. So this has been very insightful. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate having you as a guest. Great. I really enjoyed it. And thanks for the conversation. This has been Training Unleashed, but it doesn't stop here. Just go to trainingunleashed.net to subscribe to the show. That way, you'll never miss an episode, and you'll be well on your way to delivering training programs that are off the chain. We'll talk to you next time on Training Unleashed.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.